Welcome, foolish readers, to a spooky edition of Shit We've Read, brought to you by the creeps at Oblivion Geeks and the ghouls at Bilo Network. <laughs> Hello and welcome to another episode of Shit We've Read, a sci-fi fantasy book podcast hosted by some geeky friends. On this episode, we will be talking about A Dowry of Blood, which is a horror fantasy novel written by S.T. Gibson. But before we can do that, I need to introduce my two guest hosts for this episode. Joining me, as always, is Laura Benson. Hey, Laura, what's up? What's up? How's it going? Good. Glad to be here again. Me too. Um, and I'm also really glad to introduce our other guest host for this episode. We convinced her to come back for another episode. Ladies and gentlemen, she reads, she plays video games, she does it all. Emma Skies. What's up, Emma? With the way that you paused, I was like, did he forget my name? <laughs> I'm, just, I'm buying time. It'll come to me. It'll it come to me. Ah. It was like, oh, that was it. That was it. I'm good. Thank you guys for having me again. <laughs> Yeah, of course. Thanks for Thanks. joining us. Yeah. <laughs> I'm always excited to hear your thoughts because um, I know I know you got some hot takes usually. So I like to think yes. so. I like to think so. Yeah. yeah. It was a lot of fun last time you were on with us too. So um, we are excited to get into this next book with you. I still have not finished the series from the one we read before. I haven't finished The Wayfarers. I haven't either. I did. It was really good. <laughs> I know I kept seeing you on Goodreads every time that you would update that you're reading on. I was like, God yeah. damn it, I need to get those books. But my Barnes Noble never has them. It has the first book and then it has something like way later in the series and nothing in between. Gotcha. Gotcha. Bummer. I, I told Laura that she's really gonna like the second book. Um, only the second book? Well well, I mean you'll like all of them, in but particular. the second book in particular is gonna be like right up her alley. Mm, okay, um, okay. Emma, you know, you're a little more of a wild card when it comes to sci-fi, so I don't know. I don't know. Which one's really going to pique your interest? But they're all really good. I will say they go in different directions. I'll let you know as I go through which one strikes my fancy the most. Perfect. <laughs> Perfect. We'll start, we'll start narrowing it down as, as she reads sci-fi. Figure it out. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, this kind of segues into, you know, the, the thing we do before we talk about the book we're reading and talking about other shit we've read recently. Um, Emma, would you like to tell us a little bit about some other books you've read recently? I know you've been reading some uh, some spooky books. Any anything good? I've been trying to read spooky books, and I've been sort of failing. I've been now spooky catfished twice this month, <laughs> where I read a book because it was supposed to be spooky, and at the end it turns out it's not, and it was like either explainable or just wasn't explained. But so th I've been spooky catfished this month. I've read a really horrible i read one of the worst books i've read all year this month um but as far oh, as ones no. that i liked let's see what did i read um i started the city of ghosts um series by ve schwab it's her first middle grade that i've read from her so i wasn't sure that was kind of one of those where i was like i don't know if i'm too old for middle grade if i'm not like is it not gonna hit me the same way but it's still like a good story still a good story so and that one actually about ghosts did not get catfished <laughs> Nice. So yeah, what have I done? I did uh, White Smoke was okay. I wanted that one to be better than it was. And then I'm like blanking on everything I've read in the last however long. Let me pull up my 
Goodreads. I mean, that always happens when anybody asks you anything. I, I literally saw a meme earlier today. It's like, has plenty of favorite songs. You asked me what my favorite song is. Couldn't tell you one. Couldn't tell Suddenly, you a single song. I haven't heard a song to. in my nope. whole life. Oh, uh, Devil Makes Three was really good. Um, I kind of went into that pretty blind because that was one of the subscription boxes that I have. But like two students at a school uh, who find an ancient vault hidden in their library and accidentally release a demon from a book. And sounds cool to figure out what the hell happened that one was really fun though because it's a dark academia set in the place where i went to school oh that's right and i was like i was so excited And as it goes on it mentions where the main character lives and he lives on the same street that i lived on when i went to school there (laughs) i was like five stars immediately this is amazing (laughs) this is perfect that would be cool reading a book where you recognize all of the stuff that they mention It's funny because he's talking about like there's always parties on the street that he lives on. And all I'm thinking in my head is, yeah, because you live on frat row. I know all the houses on that street are frat houses. (laughs) (laughs) So that was fun. I like reading like local stuff like that where you can tell the author actually lived there and like knows what they're talking about because they're talking about specific streets and specific areas. And I was like, ah, you've you actually went there and you actually lived there. That sounds cool. I read a few books that have mentioned Sacramento, but none of them have really like taking place in sacramento so i'm still waiting one day maybe <laughs> you guys gotta find one and do a local episode of shit we've read hey, hey, should. Should. that'd be cool not to Home give brew. you more work should we read homebrew <laughs> edition oh yeah all you do is give us more work to do like random spin-offs. you're welcome after dark homebrew what else <sighs> anyhow laura what have you been reading um i just finished project hail mary um not yes. too long ago so now i think all three yes. of us have read it now we all love it can we just talk about it's that instead? So oh my god i oh think my it's god. my favorite book this year that's fair that's an absolutely fair yeah it's yes. so yeah. amazing so i uh when i was done writing it like i was i was telling jason i was like man this book makes me wish i was a scientist <laughs> I was like following you on Goodreads and every like day or so I'd see you update your page number and I was like, she's getting closer. She's almost done. <laughs> oh my God, where's she at now? <laughs> <laughs> well, I actually, so my my husband is, he does not read books and I somehow got him to agree to listen to the audiobook for this and he's like, he's hooked. Yeah. And so it's really fun. Every, every day that he comes home from work, he's like, oh, I got to this part. This just happened and we get to talk about it. <laughs> so it's been really cool being able to to have my own little book club with my husband. <laughs> I'm trying to bully one of our mutual friends, Aaron, into doing the audiobook for it because I want to hear what the audiobook sounds like for some of the stuff. Oh, it's so good. It's and, so good. I've heard yeah. some of it. And then yeah. I, not for this one, but I have heard that the audiobook for The Martian is actually a better experience than reading like the physical <gasps> book. Really? Yeah. So I think I was like, I say it's it's gonna be on that level because they know they have to live up to that. But uh, yeah, so I'm gonna bully Aaron until he reads it so that I can like <laughs> listen to snippets of it as he sends them to me. Well, you can tell him that you know, me and Jason say that he should read it too. Perfect. Yeah. That's three yep. against one at this point. It's gonna yeah. happen. <laughs> we'll, we'll bully him. <laughs> um. What about you, Jason? What are you reading? Um, well, I'm going through a bunch of spooky stuff, too, for Halloween, obviously. Um, I mentioned some of the stuff I recently read on our last minisode with, um, or about the, the plot. Mm-hmm. Uh, but one book I just read f- earlier this month that I really, really loved, first time reading, was I Am Legend. Oh. 
um, by Richard Matheson, um, which many people may know as the movie that was developed with Will Smith. Um, Mm -hmm. The book is so good. It's pretty short. It's really, really good. Um, It's a great look at what it's like to to feel alone and isolated more than anything else. Because this guy is the last human on earth yeah it's it's everybody else is a vampire he's just trying to survive and so it's it's a great way of it's it was a great angle to take of not just oh vampires are trying to get you no you're by yourself like you have no one else in your life and that was really really good so uh highly recommend that um and then the last book i finished before the one we're talking about today is the lost girls by sonia hartle um I'm not going to talk too much about that book because I'm definitely going to be bringing it up later in the episode. Ooh, okay. Um, there, there are quite a few parallels. Um, so I'll save okay. that. But yeah. Okay, cool. All right, so let's get down to business um, and talk about the book we're here to talk about, which is A Dowry of Blood by S.E. Gibson. Um, Laura, would you uh, do us the honor of reading the synopsis, please? Sure. A lyrical and dreamy reimagining of Dracula's Brides, A Dowry of Blood is a story of desire, obsession, and emancipation. Saved from the brink of death by a mysterious stranger, Constanta is transformed from a medieval peasant into a bride fit for an undying king. But when Dracula draws a cunning aristocrat and a starving artist into his web of passion and deceit, Constanta realizes that her beloved is capable of terrible things. Finding comfort in the arms of her rival consorts, she begins to unravel their husband's dark secrets. With the lives of everyone she loves on the line, Constanta will have to choose between her own freedom and her love for her husband. But bonds forged by blood can only be broken by death. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, so as always, I'm going to ask you for your non-spoiler first impressions however i do want to point out that there are um, quite a few trigger warnings in this book um we will list them in in a bit but i think also listing them might count as a spoiler um so if if you're at all sensitive to certain topics um certain content um i implore you to look up the book right now on goodreads and you can find a list of trigger warnings there and then continue on um so just this is your pre-warning, and then we'll get into the official warning later. <laughs> um, all right. So non-spoiler impressions. Uh, Emma, what did you think of this book overall? Oh, starting with me. Put yes. me right on the spot. Yes. Um, I really liked this. I loved this book. Uh, I read it in one sitting. It's pretty short, so I read it in one sitting in about three or four hours, um, and I like literally could not put it down. From like the first page hooked me. I didn't really know a ton about it. I knew the basic premise. I was like, Dracula and Brides. Kind of all you needed getting it. I was like, all right, I'm sold. Like, I'll do it. Cool. Let's go. It was one of those that like somebody that I know had recommended it. And that was all I needed to know. I was like, I know what I like. I know what you like. So if you like this, then we're good. Um, And it was just the writing style was so good. Mm -hmm. And it was interesting to me that I was so hooked because usually the point of view that it's told in would bother me. I would hate it because it's that that not only is it first person, but it's first person speaking to the reader. And I do not like that. Like it was kind of weird at first. It's like my least favorite (laughs) point of view to read in. So the fact that I 
loved it so much despite that like was just so telling of how the re- like how good everything else about it was um you brought up a couple things that reminded me i was going to ask you both which i think is very important to to know where you're coming from have either of you read the original novel dracula by bram stoker no nope okay i tried <laughs> i tried okay <laughs> i never fair. even tried okay that's fair they're um there, yeah, I'm, I'm just wondering where you were both coming from with this. Okay, cool. Go I on. mentioned before the show that my I've never even seen the movie Bram Stoker's Dracula. The only thing that I have as a distinct memory is the NBC show from 2013 that was canceled after one season. <laughs> that is, and then like a general like wow. knowledge that you just have from existing in society of Dracula. But uh, yeah, Jonathan Rhys Meyers Dracula TV show, ten episodes. That's all I've got. Dracula I've not been... seen it. Oh, and Van Helsing. That movie. Yeah. You know, so I'm just, I'm, I've got wow. all my bases covered. Wow. <laughs> Dracula has been such a large part of pop culture for over a century. Literally everywhere. And the only two things yep. you've ever consumed were the show and Van Helsing. Yep. <laughs> that is honestly really impressive. I am, wow. But because it's such a big part of pop culture, I like, by osmosis, no, you know, the general you know. overlay of it. Yeah. Common knowledge. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> How dare you? Don't dunk on Hugh Jackman like that, okay? That movie's a gem. Oh, I, I love that movie for how bad it is. I watch that movie, I watch that movie more often than I probably should. Wow, okay. I have okay. not watched the the show. Emma's like, I don't know how accurate it is. I don't Jason, have you have you seen it? No, I honestly forgot it even existed until Emma mentioned it. Like I vaguely remember <laughs> seeing good. like posters with We got robbed. Uh, we got robbed. It got canceled after one season. And I'm so mad about it. I'm looking it up honestly right now because I'm really curious. <laughs> you know, Laura, <laughs> what did you think of this book? Um, I really liked it. I think it was kind of, you know, similar to Emma. Not not really quite sure if I was gonna like it at first because of the the point of view, the way it was written was kind of weird. Um, I, but I, you know, I didn't really know what to expect going into it. I just knew that it had to do with Dracula and his brides. Um, but I, I ended up really liking it and, and certain, certain times kind of felt, um, like I could kind of relate to certain things that they experienced, like emotions. Um, and you know, I think that it's not necessarily the type of horror that I was expecting, but it still felt horror. Like there were aspects of it that still kind of, you know, terrified me and were still suspenseful. Um, but it wasn't like, you know, your typical vampire, super violent kind of like what people expect today. Um but I, I really enjoyed it. It was they had a lot of really great characters um, that I feel like were still relatable, even though they're supposed to be, you know, super old vampires. All right. So, what about you? Overall, I really enjoyed it. The writing was very well done. Um, ve- yeah, I, I love her writing style. Um, I was super engrossed in the storyline. I did come at this from having read Dracula. I read it a couple of times just recently earlier this mm-hmm. month to kind of get ready for this book and other other things I've read. Um, 
but also because I'm familiar with the original story, I couldn't help but connect the two and see how well they connected, if that mm. makes sense. Like, I know this is a re- reimagining, and you can get as imaginative as you want with reimaginings, but, like, how close to Dracula is this thing? Okay. And it wasn't at first, and so that kind of annoyed me, but then I came to, I came to terms with that, and I was totally fine with it, but then there was a line in the book that annoyed me again. <laughs> um, it's like, okay, well, I was giving you the benefit of the doubt, and you totally ruined that, so... But that's probably spoiler territory. So, yep. um, yeah. Any, anything else you want, want to say before we get into it? I do want to mention that because we kind of all mentioned the the point of view now. So I stand by the fact that I don't like that point of view generally in books. But I think in the case of this book, especially by the time you get to the end, I understood why it was that way. And it's not something that even though I don't typically like that point of view, it's not something I would change because I think it's so important to the story and so important to the message that that's the point of view it was of of Constanta uh, telling her story and telling it to the person reading. Um, Absolutely, it I was agree. yeah, like it would it would fundamentally change the message of the book to change the point of view and make it just like third person. Yeah, I agree, hundred percent. Okay, um, so I think we're ready for spoiler stuff. Um, as I mentioned earlier, there are some trigger warnings for this book, so I'm going to read them off right now. These are coming straight from the author on Goodreads. Um, so I, I'm listing them off because we might get into them in the course of the discussion. And I want you to be warned. Um, so please take care of yourself and um, tread carefully if any of these things might be difficult for you. Um, so this book contains depictions of uh, emotional, verbal, and physical intimate partner abuse, gaslighting, war, famine, and plague, blood and gore, consensual sexual content, sadomasochism, self-harm, body horror, violence and murder, alcohol use, depression, and mania. Um, The book also contains references to, although they're not really directed at any named character, um, also contains sexual assault, drug use, and drowning. So again, uh, take care of yourself. If any of this is a sensitive topic for you, um, just be warned. Okay. Um, Okay, before we get really started... I believe her name is pronounced Constanza. I've been wondering how to pronounce yes. it this it's whole not, it's time. Not, it's not a hard T. I believe it is taken from the Romanian spelling. And the Romanian Fair. alphabet has a special character of T that has like a little tail on it. That's like a T-Z. Okay. okay. Constanza. Okay. okay. So it's like a like yeah. a like a sharp Z almost. Yeah. Is it Constanza yeah. or Constanza? Constant, con, Constanza, probably. There's like a teasy, Constanza. Yeah. There it is. Constanza. Okay. okay. Yes. Thanks, Jason. Yeah, I just heard you both say <laughs> We all saying it wrong. Yeah, so I'll fix it. It got easier when she started, like, when Alexi starts calling her Constance. So I was like, I can yeah. say that. <laughs> I was like, I could have named her Constance too, because I can say that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> right. Now that we know how to say it. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so it follows Constanza um, and her transformation into a vampire, the, the, the first of his brides. Um, my biggest gripe with this book was the formatting. It was it's a like little the physical formatting of the like physical the pages, formatting yeah, and like no chapters and just like sometimes no. like a chapter break would just be a paragraph on its own page. Right. 
If I didn't, like, not looking at the side of it, I would have assumed this was self-published because I find a lot of self-published books have odd formatting like that, but it wasn't. It, it felt like like a student having to write an essay and say, I need to make this essay 10 pages. <laughs> and so I'm going to double space. I'm going to take weird line breaks here. I'm going to do whatever I can to reach those 10 pages, even though it's really only five pages of content. Um, maybe Maybe she was just writing... Um, you know, this is all she could write today and then went to the next page next time. I think I guess if you're looking at it as her writing what a single letter to her husband, then the idea of chapter breaks wouldn't make sense. Like it mm -hmm. would take you out and be like, oh, I'm reading a book. And so I guess in lieu of doing chapter breaks, because that wouldn't work, there's just like its own paragraph page. So I guess I get that. But it was super weird while reading when i first started reading and i noticed how the pages were weird like that i was like oh this isn't really this many pages i'm gonna get through this a lot faster than i thought it's a super quick read yeah it's like f <laughs> page five is is a single sentence on the page yeah. yeah it bugged me because i thought it was trying to replicate what they did with dracula which is it's all told through letters and like journal entry. So it'll state this is from Mina Harker to Jonathan Harker, dated blah, 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 blah. So I, I assumed it's like, okay, these are her own like journal entries that she's writing to her husband or something. It's not formatted that way, but it kind of made sense early on. And then later in the book, like we're jumping ahead now yeah. um, to, to, I think when, when Dracula, although he's not named Dracula in this book at all, um, he's attacking Alexi's friends that he has over mm -hmm. there's like that big kind of quote-unquote fight scene but it's still broken up like it's one scene but it's still broken up mm -hmm. oddly it was like well that's not the way you would write a letter you would just finish the entire thing like these aren't journal entries i don't know what the hell's going on but whatever that's just personal gripe i guess it didn't detract from the story itself it's, it was just very weird and it caused me to do more brain work than i wanted to early on to try to figure out what the hell's going on did it kind of I like just... take you out of the moment? Yeah, it did. Cause I, was, Cause I was trying to figure out what the importance of this was. Why? Why is it formatted this way? And then eventually I realized there's no importance to it. I just okay. kind of ignored it after a while. Just oh, this ended. Going, just going to the next page. <laughs> mm. <laughs> I didn't um, mind it so much, but it did stand out as like an interesting, like. I got it. Like, because especially because that you turn to that first page and you're immediately hit with like, there's only two sentences on this page. And then you turn to the second page and there's only, you know, a couple paragraphs. Um, but I guess if it's if it's like the start and stop, especially in the beginning, if it's like the start and stop of her trying to figure out what to write when, I can justify mm -hmm. that to myself while I'm reading. And then I just kind of like got into it. And then I, I really did just treat them like chapter breaks. Yeah, in the beginning, there is even a, a couple of lines on one of the pages where it's crossed out. Like you could tell she's she was just kind of starting to write this and and working through the story that she was trying to tell. Mm -hmm. So that kind of immediately sets it up as she is writing this. Um, Jason, you just mentioned. Um, Dracula, it's yeah. funny because it's never specified in the book that this is Dracula. Nope. 
the only reason we know or assume it is is because of the synopsis. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because it Correct. says it there. But that's something that I, I kept paying attention to. I was like, wait, because I couldn't remember where it actually said Dracula. And I was like, it still hasn't said Dracula in in anywhere. Like, it's not in this book anywhere. Nope. Where, like, why do I think this is Dracula? Well, and she very deliberately, like, there's a reason for it. In the letter, she specifically says, I'm not giving you a name. Like, you will never, I will never call you by your You're name in this right. letter. Um, you Good were, point. And you were never a name to me. Like, you were always titles. Even when I called you by your given name, like, you were still just this, this bit larger than life person. Um, and it's a, it's a conscious choice of hers to not name him. And I think that, that works really well in conjunction with the fact that the first thing he did was take her name yeah, and, and take it away from her and, and give her something that he wanted for her instead. And she was like, ah, you know what? You don't get one either. <laughs> Good point. Good point. As I was reading it, I, um, I don't know, maybe halfway through the book, I started like really trying to figure out how does this fit in with the original novel of Dracula? Like, is this a direct continuation? Is it a, a, a loose reimagining um, and the author has said that it is a very loose reimagining um, of the book. But as I was reading, it's like, well, maybe, maybe this isn't Dracula. Maybe for my own sake, I can accept this as not being about Dracula. It's it's a different vampire who happens to have three spouses, and that's totally fine. I I, I still enjoy the story; it's totally okay. Um, but then later on, there is a reference to the Harkers. Mm-hmm. It was like, okay, so this is Dracula then, and these are the three women, f- well, in the original novel, it's three women, um, although this book, we have two women and Alexi, a man. Um, and so that kind of annoyed me. It was like, man, I was I was okay with this not being about Dracula. <laughs> Maybe the Harkers were also a very loose reimagining of the Harkers. <laughs> Maybe the Harkers <laughs> is a very popular last name back in the It's like Smith. Yes. You know, Johnson. <laughs> Just... <laughs> You're Victorian Smith, you know. Yeah, could have been anyone. They don't. They don't say first names, right? They don't. They don't say first names. They didn't. Um. <laughs> so I mentioned that instead of three women, like in the original novel, it's two women and a man. Mm-hmm. The original novel never specifies that they are brides. No, they never say that they're married to Dracula. They don't really give any sort of relationship between Dracula and the three women. They're just three women there. And so it's open to interpretation of how they are connected to Dracula. Some people think that it's one of them is a wife and the other two are daughters. Um, they're only referred to as the weird sisters. But in pop culture, it's always become the three brides. Um, are you smiling because of Sabrina? Uh, no, not even Sabrina. Harry oh. Potter. Oh, the band. The band. <laughs> I was definitely thinking Sabrina. <laughs> um, so knowing that the original story has three women, but this one does not, what are your thoughts on, on this uh, modernization or this reimagining of having? So um, I, I follow Katie Robert on uh, Instagram, um, and she's the one that read the, the After Dark books, or she wrote the After Dark books that we're going to read. Um, and she made a point like, a couple weeks like a week or two ago that I thought when I was reading this and she was like you cannot convince me that any immortal being any being who lives for an eternity is straight 
and will never stray no. from being straight. You cannot Absolutely convince me not. that's true. And so I was yeah. like, yeah, this makes sense. He's been alive for how many thousands of years at this point? Think he's limiting himself to women? Absolutely not. Mm -mm. I had that exact same thought yesterday as I was walking to lunch. I had started it yesterday. Um, as I was walking to lunch, I was like, yeah, if I was alive for thousands of years, I'd fucking try a guy. Why not? Like, what else is there to do? Like, <laughs> play the field a little bit, you know, sample like, a little bit of everything. You're, yeah, you're gonna go, you know, try stuff. Yeah, I'm gonna try different foods and never would have tried. I would have tried different throw rides. And <laughs> I don't know. Anyhow. When so much of like our own, you know, whether you want to call it morality, sexuality, anything is tied to the society that you're brought up in. When you leave behind the bonds of any kind of society, because you've just lived through so many of them, then what what holds you to anything at that point? You're just kind of you're just a free agent. Yeah. No, I liked I liked that they that that the author included um, a husband in in this family because it's just nice to see that it's not just a man with a bunch of wives, just a bunch of women around him. Like, cause women are more than that. Um, and I, you know, obviously that is one of the underlying things or not underlying. That's one of the themes of this book is these people are, are trying to be their, be their own person. Um, but I, I think that having, a man part of their relationship um you know just made it more diverse and and made it more interesting and and you know like what you guys just said it's more realistic for somebody who's been alive for that long <clears throat> and then i think when um, so much of the book overall like the general theme of it is about an abusive relationship and and how those start and where it comes from and the stages they go through i think it adding in a husband makes it a really important note that that's not a singularly female experience to be manipulated yeah. and abused and harmed like that. And to, to show that it is, it isn't, you know, it isn't a gendered thing. It's a, it's a genderless idea of just abuse in general. And it can happen regardless of what gender any of the parties are. That's a very good point. Yeah. And it makes it more relatable for more people. <laughs> I did think it was weird that, there was this weird blurred line between whether Alexi was a husband or a son. Yes, like yeah. specifically with Constanza. Yeah. It did get a little Ooh. weird there. Yeah. Um like I get the, the <laughs> idea of like protectiveness cuz like she's at this point she is centuries old and he's 19 and she sees in him largely who she was. You know, she's like I, he's the same age I was when he found me. Um, and so she has this immediate protective instinct over him and they go decades, if not centuries without them ever having any kind of romantic entanglement. And that like, is just how their relationship develops. And so when that line is crossed, it's like, like, yeah, I get that. There's nothing like, you're not actually his parent. You're not actually, you know, related to this kid at all, but like, you still treated him like a child this whole time. Although in that vain you know dracula is the parent or old enough to be a parent to any of the people that he that he takes on yeah, he kind of treats them all like his children when he mm -hmm. calls so that, them i sisters, mean he's the first time they're all in bed together and yeah he's that was like, weird he i think the line is like come kiss your sister and i was like "Ooh, let's not let's not <laughs> with that language let's find a different word for what's happening here please yeah 
he calls them all calls them brother and sisters like uncomfortable i am uncomfy yeah. but even that was in the original novel too like at the time yeah like, mina and, and her best friend lucy they call each other sisters but they weren't related a lot of the brides well, quote-unquote brides in the book refer to each other as sister in the novel it's it was just kind of this i don't know kind of like when you call it like what's up cuz <laughs> like we're not actually cousins but you know we're we're connected somehow we're that same generation i mean i, I guess that probably comfy. also was normal back in his day could not tell you how threesomes <laughs> worked know. back in that age i i i, I don't know I don't know how menages work back then. I mean, I think they work the same way now, honestly. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) There were, I mean, obviously, there was a lot of stuff that was uncomfortable in general in this book. You know, I I mentioned earlier that I, I mean, again, I don't know necessarily what I was expecting, but I wasn't necessarily expecting this in that. Mm A lot of, you know, the all of the abuse that they are going through um, is just like a different type of horror than what I expected. Um, yeah. And a lot of times the way that it's written was, you know, it's very descriptive and it like made you feel the things that they were feeling. Um, and sometimes it was terrifying, even if it was just like uh, his reaction to something that was said. Yeah. Uh, the way that she writes him as somebody that that she grows to fear is so visceral and so like uncomfortable in the right way mm-hmm. in the way that she meant for it to be where like you're on the edge of your seat with Constanza at all times where she is constantly walking on eggshells like is this thing I say going to set him off is this thing that I do going to set him off what do I like how do I change myself and my perception of the world around me and the things that I do to not set him off because I never know what it's going to be. It could be nothing. It could be anything. Like it could be something I don't even have control over. Um, and like the way that you get that, like it's, it's like a tight feeling and you're just constantly wound up waiting for the other shoe to drop. And it's a horrible way to live. And it's, it's very, it's just a really, the way that Gibson writes how Constanza feels and how she lives her life like that. And like eventually, you know, over centuries grows to realize like, this isn't, anything that i should be allowing and this isn't any way to live but at the, that point she's stuck um it was really powerful it was really like like you said it was a horror that i didn't expect from this i didn't expect it to be quite so human mm-hmm. so what i one of the things that i like so i don't know if you guys want to go through like plot stuff or if you have any like timeline do that it. you do, do um it. but like from the immediate way that the book starts like literally one of the first lines is um, I believe one of the first lines is, you know, it was not my intention to murder you. Like I didn't set out to kill you at any point. So from the very beginning, you know, the ending. So you know mm-hmm. that this is going to end with her killing him. And what that reminds me of is um, I was watching the documentary on Hamilton. Um, and so I don't know if either of you have listened to or seen Hamilton, but in the opening song. Wow. <laughs> first of all that's a much longer conversation we don't have time for here (laughs) oh my god i will we will we will sit here and watch it we will pause this and spend three hours on disney plus right now 
But so in the very first song, um, Aaron Burr is narrating and like he has this line about how, you know, I'm the one that shot him. And in watching the documentary, um, Leslie Odom Jr., who plays Burr, talked about how when he was first reading the script and he, he saw that line, he was like, OK, so he was trying to think of how he was going to play the character. And the fact that in the opening number, you know that he kills him. That means that we're not leading up to the death of Hamilton as like a surprise. We know going in. So I need to play this as specifically getting from the person I am now to the person who's going to kill Hamilton. So in in this scenario, it was like, you're not reading to lead up to him dying. Like you are, because you know that's how it ends, but you're not going to be shocked by the fact that he dies. You know going in and you're watching the whole book play out and formulating in your mind how she gets to the point, how it gets so bad and how she, you know, gets enough of herself back to to fight back and to kill him. And like that very much shapes the way that you read the whole story. So starting off with that changes the way that you go into it, which I thought was really, really well done. Wow. Yeah. Thanks for that. Like, like Star Wars. <laughs> yes. Darth Vader, but you know. Sorry, how does he become Darth Vader? Vader? How does this or- little shit with 8,000 midichlorians <laughs> turn into Darth Vader? I blame Laura for that because she's wearing a Star Wars shirt. So I saw that. I'm like, oh. I feel stuff. like we always talk about Star Wars. I'm pretty sure we've mentioned Star Wars in almost every single one of our episodes. Probably. I just got to keep it going. This time it's your fault, though. <laughs> Sorry, my bad. <laughs> Who wears a Star Wars shirt to a vampire fight? That's the way the thing goes. Hey, this is this is a sweater that I wore for an ugly sweater Halloween. I remember because I couldn't find an ugly sweater in time. Okay. 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 I'm kind of there. Anyways, (laughs) also really liked in the beginning, um, and I don't know if it like super stood out to you, but it, it really, really was a huge standout to me that in the very beginning she's talking about how she's dying. Constanza is dying. Um, Mm -hmm. Raiders came to her village they burned her family alive they killed them and they beat her and she she mentions multiple times she's laying there you know drowning in her own blood her bones are broken she's talking she mentions you know they beat me they you know I I have bruises and places you know and every but she never ever ever says that they sexually assaulted her she never says that they raped her and that was a massive standout because I think this scenario written by almost anybody else, this scenario written especially by a male author would have put that in there. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. And she very, like, it's like, she makes a conscious decision mm-hmm. not to say that. And I love that because it's so uncomfortable to me to read things, especially, you know, things like Game of Thrones, where they, you know, it's kind of justified as being like, oh, well, we have to show that the world is terrible. It's like, well, her family just burned alive. She's being beaten to death. Her, the children in the house are dead. I don't think you need to add on to that yeah. by saying that they were also raped. But like the fact that she left that out, I think was a conscious decision. And I was very, very happy with it. Because I was like, it was. it's one of those things that when I see that coming in a story, I get very tense about it. And I'm waiting for that shoe to drop. And it never did. And I like didn't know how to process that. I was like, I've never really seen somebody go out of their way not to mention that in a, you know, when you're trying to describe brutality like this. And I was very grateful for that. That was really nice. So in talking about, you know, all there's all these trigger warnings, but she also, you know, she doesn't go out of her way to be shocking for the sake of being shocking. Mm-mm. Nope. That is, that is very true. Good point. Yeah, pretty much everything that happens in this book is, I mean, there's, 
good reason for it and it's not just pointless right yeah it's not it's not just violence for the sake of violence yeah i didn't i didn't really it didn't stand out to me that that was excluded but now they bring it up that is really awesome of gibson to have done it was just weird to note and like be aware in the moment of like I went in and as I'm reading what's happening to her, I'm expecting that to be the next line. And every time it wasn't, it was a surprise. And then to think back on everything that we consume in media that has taught me that that's the next line. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, yeah, shit. Right. I'm like, I am two pages into this and I'm having an existential crisis about media <laughs> right now. Bravo. <laughs> Uh, in relation to I, I'm, I'm pretty sure there's never been a mention of, um, him sexually assaulting any, any of his brides either. No, yeah, all of the all the sex in the book between them is consensual. So that was that was great. Even you know knowing what type of person he is, you could just like, oh, he's he's probably hurting them too in that way. But um, we get to a part, I think closer to the end of the book where um, it's mentioned that he's never hurt them before. And the first time that he's hurt them was I think when he, I think he hit Alexi. Yeah. He slaps Alexi. Yeah. Slaps Alexi. And that was like when one thing, one of the things that like snapped her out of, out of this, I don't know. This this relationship, you know, understanding that there's something wrong here. Um, well, I think so that, I, I appreciated that. I think that hmm? was also a really good way to illustrate that, like, he, he firmly believes and thinks that he's a good husband to them because he doesn't physically harm them. That's his line. Yep. He's like, I don't physically harm you. So all of the rest of it, the manipulation, the coercion, the emotional abuse, the mental abuse, the fear that I instill in you... Uh, you know, you should just be grateful that I don't harm you physically. Um, Good point. Yeah. And so, like, even even when he doesn't necessarily forcefully coerce them into bed, there is there's implications and mentions that they will take him to bed to appease him in certain ways. Or like when he gets in a mood, right. they know it's easier to just go to bed and have sex uh than to try and fight him on anything they're like that's we know that that's an easier way to calm him down um and that that line that he draws with himself that a lot of abusers will draw with themselves where they're like i don't physically harm you so i don't know what you're mad about you know but she just everything she does because you know the whole book is really just a story of an abusive relationship and and the the flow of it and the from the very moment that, and she eventually realizes that he picks her specifically because she's vulnerable and she's somebody that he can mold into the person that he wants. Mm-hmm. Um, she just, it's its all done really, really well because because he goes from her, who she, you know, he picks her because she's vulnerable. And then on the opposite side, you have Magdalena, who he seeks out because she's strong-willed, because she's such an intellectual match for him, because she steps, you know, has her own thoughts and her own opinions, and she is so strong, you know, in a way that women of the age generally weren't. And then, you know, that's what draws him to her, and then he just beats that down. Like, he he smothers that out of her until she's the person that he wants him to be again. And then you have somebody like... So it's, like, all these different ways that she she kind of just frames 
different forms of abuse and different ways that even a lot of people don't recognize or abuse from each of the spouses that he has. Um, it's all just done really, really well, which is like all I can say about it. Like she just does it really well <laughs> yeah. to like an uncomfortable yeah. degree where like if it's something that you've experienced or if it's something that you've watched somebody experience and you know what it is, it's so uncomfortable to see what's happening to Constanza and then to Magdalena and then Alexi and and see this this situation that they're stuck in. And by the time Constanza even realizes anything is wrong, she doesn't know what to do. She's stuck. And then she is stuck in the position of almost being the one to smother Magdalena and Alexi because she's trying to protect them from him. Mm-hmm. So she starts to smother parts of their personalities that would grate against him, uh, which is, again, something that she comes to realize. And and just this journey of self-discovery that she has where she becomes complicit in it and then realizes that and then becomes the person who's like, you know, we've all been in this long enough. I've been in this long enough. We're going to we're going to take care of business. We're going to we're going to we're going to end this now in a way that she probably wouldn't have done if it was only her. If she was the only one suffering from it, she she would not have she, she would not have done what she did. Yeah, no, she, would she would have been with him yeah. for a very, very long time. I mean, she already is with him for a long time, but yeah. If it's just her and she has nobody else to fight for, yeah, she wouldn't have done anything. Mm-hmm. That's a really good point. Yeah. Um Emily, earlier you said that that, you know, he says, like, I don't I don't hit you. Like so he thinks he's okay. Mm-hmm. She's like, I don't I don't I don't do this. Um but all the other stuff that he does, I feel like maybe to a certain degree he thinks it's within his not it's within his right because he turned them he i gave you this gift of immortality yeah like i gave you this um so i own you so everything i do is okay i think at one Uh, point he actually says i made you and i can unmake you he does i think so yeah Mm -hmm. yeah um and this book really kind of dives into the I mean, I mentioned it with I Am Legend, but um, like the loneliness and isolation of becoming a vampire for so long. And, you know, in, in this world that this book takes place in, you can't exist amongst humans. You know, you're different. You can consume them. You will be found out. They will try to kill you. So you have to remove yourself from society. And so you get really lonely as a vampire. And I think so much media that we consume that's vampires is like, oh, vampires are very sexy and really cool when we're fast and, you know. We got really good hair and we dress in black leather. Um, <laughs> and so it is it, it kind of something desirable. Like you want to be a vampire. And I'll admit, hell yeah, mm-hmm. I want to be a vampire because they seem cool and sexy. But this is like, no, being a vampire, being being an immortal sucks. Like you don't have anybody other than your other immortals. And, you know, <laughs> being with someone for 20 years is already a stretch these days. Uh, a thousand years? Hell no! I, I'm gonna get sick of you so quickly. I want someone new. Um, and so I thought that was a cool way of of showing vampirism and what it's like to be a vampire in this book. Well, and that's a very deliberate choice on his part as well, because she develops human relationships when they're in Venice, and she she develops a relationship with a human. She's a very good friend. Um, Alexi goes out all the time, makes tons of friends that are humans, and the you know, I guess we just call him Dracula. It's the easier than you sure. know, Dracula. Yeah. And Dracula 
is again in something that you see in every abuser he isolates them very intentionally and he's the one that says no you can't have relationships with humans you know they're gonna die they're gonna find you out you know but they never have a chance to experience that for themselves they don't really have a chance to explore that idea for themselves because he tells them you can only have me you can have me and you can have the other people that i allow into your life and that is it um and he won't even let them like correspond so like he he stops magdalena from writing letters to people so that Mm -hmm. he can isolate them so they are fully and wholly dependent on him and the way and like that is it's a great way to show vampirism and and the isolation and the loneliness of that and part of why i think the story works so well as being a story of abuse couched in fantasy because it's so easy to isolate somebody in that scenario it's so easy to isolate them when you can tell them well you're going to outlive them so that's my excuse for why i can why i can push this on you and you won't question it um emma you just mentioned how um they all tried to have some kind of relationship friendship whatever with other people but it's only allowed when dracula wants it um, so one of those examples is, uh, you know, Constanza had a friend that she even said, I I probably would have fallen in love with her or something to that effect. Mm-hmm. But then, you know, she was forbidden from, from, you know, being friends. But when Dracula wanted Magdalena, then it was, you know, it, yeah, it, it was fine. that was going to happen. It doesn't matter. It does not matter what anyone else thought didn't matter what constant i cannot say her name constanza does not matter what she thinks he literally was like you're gonna you're gonna let me have this and there's nothing she could do about it one of you mentioned earlier that all the all the sex in this book is consensual but a lot of the the um situations revolving around the sexual encounters i would say are not consensual like Constanza, you know, being okay with Magdalena is like, well, I have to be like, she convinces herself that it's okay. Um, so yes, I am attracted to her and okay, fine. I probably do want to be with her, but in a normal circumstance, she not, she would not have agreed to that except for the fact that yeah, good point. Dracula the, is yeah. pushing it. I think the way she phrases it is actually my consent was manufactured. Mm-hmm you created the situation that I was going to walk in on and there was no other option for me. Mm-hmm. So again, it's that, it's that idea of, of you didn't say no, I didn't physically harm you. So everything's fine. And she's like, no, you created the situation yourself and you did it on purpose. And then what am I supposed to do about it? <sighs> Dracula's a jerk. He is. And it's, it's, the thing that struck me about this while I was reading it the whole time and that I didn't expect was that it was just so it was just so relatable because I think a lot of us know somebody like that. And a lot of us have seen that happen to people that we know. We've, we've seen even if it's not something, you know, you, you know, stories of, of people who go through this and it's it's almost uncomfortably relatable and uncomfortably relevant the whole time you're reading it that like you know it's it's framed as this big evil monster but it's not it's it's very i don't know it's very human it's very very easy to see that and everything else um i don't know the and then just the just her journey through all of it and the way that she comes out of it at the end uh i just it was just so 
it was really, really good. It was, it was satisfying. Happened, it was, it was very satisfying. satisfying. It happened go. quickly too. Yeah, it once, once like, she made the choice, she was she was, it was not done. backing down. Yeah, I was I a little almost, disappointed by that. Really, it happened, it happened a little too quickly. I felt like I feel like for as big bad Dracula should be, like it just like the race of the end was very quick. Hmm. The way I view it is that. It didn't feel too fast because I think when you have somebody like Constance or somebody like any of them that's been stuck in that situation for so long, once you make the decision, you cannot you cannot wait. You can't waffle on that. It's generally not something that you can take your time on. Like you have to do it while it's still there. And if you have that opportunity, if you have that perfect moment that they had when there was the mob coming, like it was now or never. And if it's it's if we don't do this now, we're, we happen to all be in agreement right now. We're having a good, you know quote-unquote good we're having a good night we're you know we're all in agreement about this and if we don't do it now we might not get a chance again because how many centuries has it been and when are we going to get this again and then the idea that it was you know big bad dracula but it ended up being relatively easy because they outnumbered him um is also something that i think was very intentional because he he did not imagine, I think she, the way she phrases it at one point is, you never imagined that my will could be stronger than yours. So he, it never occurred to him to have to fight back against them because he never thought that he would have to. It never occurred to him that he would be outnumbered by these people that he has spent centuries making them stronger and stronger. Uh, because it was, it was always going to be an intellectual thing. He was always above them. He was always stronger than them mentally so like he didn't have to worry about it and then the one time that they're finally like yeah no it's real easy because there's three of them yeah he was very um it's very foolish of, on his part if he like it just shows how uh you know how much power he believed he had which he did all of these years yeah. but um you know he spent all that time you know, pushing them down and controlling them and, and whatnot that he probably just assumed that he would never have to worry about them anymore. Um, but, you know, they found their will. <laughs> yeah, it just never occurred I, to him. I didn't think it equal. was too fast. I guess I was just, I was, because it's a vampire story. I was right. Sort of bigger actual fight like not the decision i, I get what you're, what you're mm -hmm. saying i'm like we're in we want to do this now we'll just do it now that, yeah i 100 agree i think it was just the actual physical altercation i was expecting a little more because i was wanting that from a vampire story however you both bring up a good point of like all right let's let's take vampire vampirism out of this story and instead of it taking place over centuries it just takes place over you know a couple decades this story still 100 works because, like you said, Dracula is a monster, not because he's a vampire, just because he, the man, is a monster. He is manipulative, mm -hmm. and he is he gaslights them, and he abuses them, and stuff like that. So that's what makes the story work really well, because we all know monsters like this, whether we've dealt with them ourselves or we know someone else who has. That's what makes this book so strong. So I guess looking at it from that angle... The fact that there was no big fight at the end. It was just, there's three of us. We're just sick of your bullshit. We're, we're leaving. That's what made it really strong. And that was good. Yeah. yeah. And they, they established like half the book before that, that the only way they were ever going to leave was by killing him. Because when she finds the letters and she figures out that she was not his first bride and he very likely killed the rest of them, 
then it's not a matter of I can run away or I can take them and run. It's you have to die. And he even says to Alexi at some point when Alexi is feeling insecure about their relationship, um, he's like, you know, I will always love you. I'll always have you. You'll always have me. And it's this like it's supposed to be the way he's framing it is he's creating a loving moment between the two of them. And then he says, and if if I ever lost you, I would hunt the world for you. Like I would hunt you down across the world and I would never lose you. And it's a threat, but he's yep. he's framing it as, you know, I love you so much. I would always come for you. But it's if you ever leave me, I will get you back. And so it's it's got this this buildup of the only way we're getting out is if he dies. And the only way he dies is if we do it, because motherfucker's old. <laughs> <laughs> I'm looking at my uh I'm looking at my notes here, and I have like a notepad that I keep on my phone where I write down like quotes from books that I really like or like just quotes that stand out to me. And I can always tell when I got really into a book because they'll just stop. So like I have one from page <laughs> five, I have one from page nineteen, and then I don't have another one for another hundred pages. And like that's always because like, you're just a really too good, into it. Because you're too into it to like take the second. And even even these, I think I wouldn't type it. I dictated it to my phone, so there's like typos in them because I can tell that Siri didn't hear me right. Um, so that's just a really good indicator of how into a book I am. Like if I really liked a book, but I can't find the quotes on my phone, it's because I was too into it to like take myself out and be like, oh, this is good. That's why I can't notate books. <laughs> Because I'm thinking back to when I was talking about the way that she she took his name, the way that he took hers, and I saved what she had said about it. So she said, like, in the very beginning when she decided, you know, she wasn't going to call him Dracula, she said, in this world, you are what I say you are, and I say you are a ghost, a long night's fever dream that I have finally woken up from. I say that you are the smoke whisper memory of a flame throwing ice suffering under an early summer spring. Oh, that's probably thawing ice. Siri didn't hear me. Thawing ice suffering under an early summer spring. I'm going to try that again. Thawing ice suffering under an early spring sun. A chalk leather, for the love of God. Anyway, (laughs) a chalk chalk ledger of deaths being wiped clean. I say you do not have a name. Now imagine I said that without fucking anything up. And that's a really good line. (laughs) (laughs) that was really powerful until i said leather instead of ledger because siri doesn't know what i'm saying so you're saying chocolate chocolate leather chocolate leather yes (laughs) but all that to say like between that line and then the last paragraph the last paragraph made me cry and i read it like four or five or six times over and over and over again because it's it's just, that's the satisfying. To me, the satisfying part wasn't her stabbing him. It wasn't her staking him in the heart. It was her deciding that she was going to forget him. And she basically says, I'm putting down my pen. I will forget you. I will never think of you again. And I will move on and I will live my life and I will be happy. And like, that is the satisfying mm-hmm. end to me so much more than killing him. In some ways, I feel like killing him is the is the easy option. Yes, but but allowing yourself to move on and and live a life without him in the back of your mind is the more difficult thing for sure i was so upset like at first when i'm reading the end and i realize like you realize kind of in that like quote-unquote epilogue that they're splitting up um 
and like Alexi's getting quickly. on a ship. Yeah, like Alexi's getting on a ship. She's first of all, he's getting on a ship, and for a hot second, I was real scared it was the Titanic. Um, Me I too. too. I thought that I'm too. So glad. I, I was, was like, what ship is this? <laughs> well, that was my I second was thought. Well, my first thought was, okay, is this is this connecting to any other story? Like, like, is there any other vampire story where a vampire gets on a ship? That was my first thought. Mm-hmm. And I was like, wait, mm. where's the, what's the timeline? Is this the Titanic? I was so scared. I totally thought that. <laughs> but so he's getting on a ship. Magdalena is taking, you know, her carriage and they're, they're all splitting. And when I first, my first instinct was to be really upset about that. I was like, no, I don't want them to split up. I want them to kind of live happily ever after. But it's, that is their best ending because they're not splitting up forever. They'll find each other again. They're not, you know, they'll write to each other. Um, but it's going to be the first time any of them get to experience themselves and get to know who mm-hmm. they are. And like that, I thought was a very, not only was it a very good ending, but it was a really strong choice from the author, not to just end it with a, you know, we lived happily ever after all together. Um, that was a very strong choice to split them up and, and have them go their separate ways, but still, you know, love each other and still be in contact with each other. And even, um Constanza says you know one of the things she wants to do she wants to fall in love again so she's not she's not tied to um being quote-unquote married to these two for the rest of her life I mean she will always love them but she she will have other loves and she will have other other parts of her life separate from them um so I thought that was a really really strong ending I think that it was good for them to to end up doing their own thing in the end too because while they well, they may love each other. They were kind of forced to be in this marriage together. Mm-hmm. They were really there for him, not for each other. So mm-hmm. this also allows them the f- even more freedom in terms of that situation. So, yeah, I, I was also a little, I was like, wait, they're all, nobody's staying together at all? Like, uh, only what, like three months later or something like that. I was like, that's really fast, but you know, for having no freedom for so many years, especially um, Constanza would, I want to say she's probably been been with him for like a thousand years at this point, right? It was been a long time. Pre, because the only, the only time we get a date or the first time we get a date is 1452. And at that point they had been together for centuries. Yeah. I think that's the only thing that I'm frustrated about with this book is that I don't necessarily have a concept of time. I was really like I was really struck by how much time was passing and I could I was like how far are we going to go? Like we got to, you know, the 1400s and I was like okay, and then we got to the 1700s and I was like okay, and we got to the night I was like how far are we going here? Are we going to get like modern day Constanza but uh we leave off in like it's like early 1900s. Yeah. Which again is why we all thought Titanic. <laughs> I was like, what is he going to do? Can he drown? Because they still need to like, they apparently still need to breathe. Their heart still beats. Like, I couldn't tell. I was like, what kills a vampire? Can he drown? Can he freeze to death? I need to know he's going to be okay. (laughs) I also feel very protective over Alexi. Uh, yes. Yes. Same. (laughs) But I think for, for a book that we picked out for October, for horror, for spooky, this was a much more emotional read than I was expecting. Mm Um, in like a good way like it's not that's not a bad thing I was just I didn't go into this thinking that I was going to have a really visceral connection to a story like this and a relationship like this yeah I agree it's um 
I mean, I'm always hoping for this a little spookier for the month, but mm-hmm. um, I mean, it was a really good book overall, so like, I'm not upset about it. <laughs> I did not feel like this spooky catfished me. I didn't feel spooky catfished because oh, it was good. it was still vampires. It was vampires. There was no at the end. Actually, they had a disease and they were just no. So it wasn't spooky catfish, <laughs> but it, uh, it it wasn't quite. I think the the maybe like thirty days of night vampire horror we were we were thinking going into this, which again is not a bad thing, but just the way that it kind of like subverts your expectations like that. Mm-hmm. Every time you say spooky catfish, I just think of Scooby Doo. <laughs> I just think of, like you pull off the mask and it was like old man Crothers, a janitor. <laughs> <laughs> like I thought it was a fucking ghost, but no. <laughs> do you have anything else to say about the book i think we all recommend it yes yes so what what would you give like what's your star rating that you gave this and i know yours because you put it on goodreads i did um which you gave it a four right four or five i gave it a four i'm i'm kind of vacillating toward 4.5 and i think the only thing holding it back from that is the point of view which regardless of the fact that i think it's super important um is like it's just not my preferred thing um oh that's the other thing i didn't say was how the reason i didn't say earlier because it was a spoiler but the reason i think that first person at the narrator at the reader is so important to the story is that you know in the end it's all constanza telling her own story and telling it very specifically to him she's very specifically telling this whole thing and this her whole thought process through her life to him which is fundamental to the story that's the only thing i didn't bring up uh, but yeah, so I think that point of view is the only thing that's really keeping it from like a 4.5. Uh, it's just not my cup. My brain doesn't like it. It does not, doesn't compute well. So it's it's a four for me. Gotcha. Laura? Uh, same. I, I, I give it a four. Um, it was, it was really good. Um, I do, I definitely do recommend it. Um. I, I got used to the writing style, but there were times when um, the use of you, like, sometimes took me out of it. Because, <laughs> like, it shifts, it kind of shifts what you're experiencing sometimes. So if she's telling a story of her and the others, but not Dracula, you know, I'm reading it from that perspective and then she'll suddenly say and then you did this or you said this and sometimes it would pull me out um but i do think that it still was a really great story and it does it does make sense coming from that that perspective so yeah four i don't even think about that until just now when you said that like the use of the word you over and over again that makes it so much easier not to give him a name True. Because if you had tried to write this in third person, it would have been a lot, I think, clunkier to -hmm. have him be unnamed. But when it's first person at the reader, you just have the word you there. And that makes it so much easier not to use the name Dracula. And it would be weird saying Lord all Mm -hmm. the time. She calls him my Lord. What about you, Jason? I'll probably end up giving it a four. Don't I let us peer pressure you. Don't no, let us no, no, pressure not, you. You seem unsure. No, it's not because of you. It, it's it's. I fully admit that it's probably my own hangups. It's sitting at about three point five for me, but that's really because I can't help but always connect it to the original what, source, the original thing. Um, I'm okay with 
Alexa being a man, I don't care about that. There's, there's been plenty of reimaginings where you gender swap characters or whatever. Like that doesn't bother me at all. It, it's just like I'm trying to figure out where this fits into that story. Um, I'm trying, like the timeline, like where, like because there's the reference. I mean, I saved the quote. It says, "After that whole debacle with the Harkers, he was sullen for months." Who were the Harkers? This is Alexi asking. Before your time, dear, just some dreadful Victorians. So Alexi comes after the Harkers in the original story. But by that point, the Harkers, we already have the three women in the story. And then also that story ends with Dracula and the three brides dying. Um, so granted, this is a very loose adaptation and I just need to accept that. I, like, and, I, and I fully accept that is just me not being able to just let go. This um, is maybe, like me with movie ad adaptations. Yeah. <laughs> maybe it's the NBC show because in that one, he doesn't have any brides at that point. <laughs> so, okay. So what I'm hearing is I need to watch that show and then be like, wow, this show is horrible. Yes. You know, that book is really good, actually. Yes, you're you know, going to be. My stars. If you watch that show, you will be so angry because Mina Murray oh. is in it. Jonathan Harker's in it. It's like all that same like Victorian time. You're going to be so angry. I can't wait. <laughs> but, I, but again but like i like adaptations like i'm the kind of person who reads adaptations continuations of things because i just like seeing how people use source material in new ways like the show elementary which mm -hmm. was sherlock holmes in new york and it's joan watson not john watson like i loved it granted i love lucy Lou, so maybe that has something to do with it but um like i'm all for that but it's just for this one for some reason i think because it just takes place like in the same time i'm just like I wish it fit a little better or was a little more removed one mm -hmm. or the other um so, like so if, that, what, if that line that single line was taken out would that be an easy four for you yes and then, that's what i'm saying <laughs> over, over like when i was reading it before i got to them I'm like okay maybe this i can accept this is not dracula it doesn't say it's dracula we're taking that storyline mm -hmm. we're taking the concept of a vampire who sires three spouses and we're doing something different with it i love that great fantastic Oh, there's the Harkers? Okay, this is definitely Dracula. It does not make sense anymore. You Maybe the Harkers the knew more than one vampire. You never know. They were all the over the place back then. Harkers need to hang out with better people. <laughs> if you know more than one vampire, you're living your life wrong. You know, this is probably like um, Gibson's one like reference, like Easter egg to the original Dracula, and you're like all angry about it. <laughs> yeah. Shit is left. He's like, I'll put this there for the fans. <laughs> not, not this fan. Right now. No, so honestly, it was a four. It was it was really well written. Um not qu quite what I thought going into it, but like I just I just wanted to consume it all. I, I wanted to mm -hmm. sink my teeth into it and just read Pun it intended. and be done with it. And yeah, absolutely. Um so it was a four. It was a solid, solid book for sure. I highly recommend it to anybody who likes romance, who likes vampires. Yeah. Wait, do you guys ever, for the podcast, do you ever look at one-star reviews for the books that you read? We we tried that our very first test episode. Did it not go well? We, we, we were going to try the segment where we find like really bad reviews and kind of read them. Um. And then we found, I forgot what book it was, Laura, but we found, found one and it got like real racist. Oh, no. <laughs> I think it was, uh, it was one that stars? we didn't. Yeah. Yeah. That one. The Sound, Sound of stars. stars. 
and I think which the is protagon- a YA book. It's a YA book. I think the protagonist is a queer, mixed black woman, and and the one star review um, did not take kindly to that. Oh no! <laughs> and it didn't. The review didn't start off that way, which was like, oh, this review is entertaining. This they will be good to read in. it. Yeah, I'm like, oh no, I, oh, I yeah. made a mistake. Oh, let's not. I made a mistake. Let's, let's let's not do this ever again. Oh no. <laughs> Anyhow, did you find a good one for this one? Well, literally, just if you t- if you go to the one star reviews on Goodreads, the first one, this person uh, can't read. I'm this person's illiterate. They said it seems no one else is saying it, so I will say it. The prose in this book is terrible. Excuse me? Excuse me? Like, if you said that you didn't like the characters and you, like, personal preference stuff, I get that. The prose is, like, the best thing in this book. Yes. Wow. Illiterate. Absolutely. Jail. (laughs) Straight to jail. Uh I did. I did quickly kind of look up some of the lower starred reviews to see if anybody was was um, in the of the same mindset about how it connects to the to the first one. Mm-hmm. Um, you find I anything? Didn't to, I didn't get. I didn't get too, too many of them. Well, currently on Goodreads, it has an average rating of four point two seven, which means people love it. So there's yes. not going to be a whole lot of one or two star reviews, and that's out of almost forty four hundred ratings. Yeah, there's only thirty three, um, I think, one star reviews out of like four thousand. Yeah. So. Um, and they're wrong. So, you know. They are wrong. Just <laughs> the, the pros? Wow. Okay. I was like, Anyhow. cool. Tell me you don't know how to read without telling me you don't know how to read. <laughs> <laughs> um, do either of you have any recommendations for any other books for people who may have liked this book? I have two, but I'll, I'll, I'll open it up to you first. Um, I just want to recommend the Vampire Chronicles books by Anne Rice. Um, it's been a long time since I've read them, but I remember really enjoying them. Um, and I, I want to say they're considered classic vampire reads at this point. Yeah, I think anything uh, by Anne Rice would be. Yeah, so I, I would say if you, if, if you like vampires... Um, I would definitely check those out. There's a lot of them. Um, there's a lot of side books, uh, but the main Vampire Chronicles books, um, I would say, are pretty good. And if you don't want to read them, you can also just watch the uh, interview with the vampire. Classic. They're uh, remaking it, and I'm upset. Queen of the Damned. Um, Thalia. Oh, my God. movie's great. It's terrible, but also amazing. <laughs> I will, I will, I, yeah, I used to watch that one all the time too. It's it's right up there with Van Helsing. It's better. It's better than Van Helsing, though. It's, it's First a lot of all, how dare you? <laughs> I so like just, the soundtrack. Is Kate Beckinsale in it? No, I don't want to hear it. <laughs> I'm looking up when the first Vampire Chronicles book came out, 1976. Okay, I guess that's classic. Why do I feel like Anne Rice is so much older than that? No, it's. I thought it was '80s, and so we said it's class classics by now. I was like, is this like when you hear uh, Foo Fighters on classic rock? Because oh, that makes you feel setting. really old. Because that's. <laughs> I was a kid when that came. Okay, out. totally off topic, but also <laughs> related. And this is something that I've been thinking about for the last few months. At what year does something become historic or classic? I think the general or answer age. that tends to be twenty years, right? But that seems like um, not long enough because when you think about the stuff that came out in 2001, I'm like, that's not classic. Well, there was like, a, I saw a thing where, so that, that 70 show, 
I forgot what year what year that show came mm-hmm. out. But the, the amount of time from when it came out to the seventies is the same amount of time from like now to like two thousand five or something. And so it's like it's so weird. Wait, what? Yeah. That doesn't make sense at all. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> My brain still processes the eighties as twenty years ago. It was, right? <laughs> yeah. I'll accept 30 years. No more than that. <laughs> um, okay. Anyhow, recommendations. So, book recommendations. So yeah. I don't think I have any because the three things that stand out about this would be the prose, the writing. And mm-hmm. I don't think I've read anything that's quite like this. Um, it's very lyrical. And the my favorite um, bit of lyrical prose is definitely The Invisible Life of Addie LaRue. Um, but that's not what I would recommend. Like, if you liked Dowry of Blood, go read Addie LaRue. Like, if you like lyrical <laughs> writing, I think go read Addie LaRue. So it's the prose, the relationship. Um, and again, I've never read anything that handled a relationship quite like this. And then the vampires and all the vampire books that I read are not ones that I would recommend. <laughs> I'm like, if you oh, like this, you, go read you the recommend- Stackhouse books. <laughs> You don't recommend Twilight? <laughs> no, no, not so much. Not not for mm. not for Dowry of Blood fans. Mm, okay. Look, the nostalgia is there, but like, because the vampire books I have in, under my belt are like Twilight, The Vampire Diaries, which get fucking weird as shit. Weird? They get so weird and I had to stop. And then the Sookie Stackhouse books, which also get weird as fuck and I had to stop. Once they brought in the fairies, I was like, I can't do this. I can't. I can't do this anymore. But yeah, as far as like vampires and then technically the from Blood and Ash books, because they 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 try not to be vampires and werewolves, but they are. They are. I'm going to get you some better vampire books. (laughs) Uh, First of all, how dare you? Twilight is a classic. It's a classic. Was it 20 years ago? Yeah. 20 years ago. We're getting there. We're getting there. Yeah, so I, I think, think we're I almost anything. there. I don't think I have anything that like every time it's like you know, would you? What would you recommend if you liked this? I struggle because I'm like it depends on what you liked about this. Yeah. Um, so all I've got is if you like lyrical writing, um, read the Invisible Life of Addie Larue, which is absolutely 100 nothing like this <laughs> in you know, any way, shape, or form. It's funny because Goodreads, you know, they have the section um, mm-hmm. similar books. Addie is the first book on this. Hell yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, it does have like a, a toxic relationship with like a dark older being. When I was looking up reviews, um, someone did say Addie Larue. Fair enough. Review. I'm not crazy. Okay. I have All I right. haven't read it myself, so I couldn't tell you. It's exactly the writing. Why they said Her, that, it's the first time because like when I Addie was like five months after I got really back into reading, and it's the first time that I've looked at like the writing of a book and been like, this is lyrical and beautiful. And I could read your shopping list. <laughs> and now she's my favorite author. And I'm on book number eight of hers that I'm reading. Wow. I'm just going through a catalog at this point. All right. How about you? What were your, you said you had two. I had two. The first, I'm going to go chronological order. The first is Carmilla by Joseph Sheridan Lefanu. Um, it is a 1872 vampire novella about a young woman who's preyed upon by a female vampire named Carmilla. And it is um, a prototypical example of the lesbian vampire. Um, so if you like your lesbian vampires, um, this is like the book that first did it. So check it out. It's a classic, a real classic. 
I like the Santa Rice fake classic shit. Um, wow. But do I, do I trust Whoa. lesbian vampires written by a man? I don't know. You got to read it and make your, your own decision. It's a novella. So. It's a novella. It's really short. short. It's real short. And then the second book is The Lost Girls by Sonia Hartle, which I mentioned earlier on. Um, let me know if this sounds familiar. Three women who have been turned to vampires by a man who promises that they have only been, if they've been the only ones that he's ever loved, find out that that's bullshit. Um, and they all band together to kill the person who turned them. Oh, okay. Um, so it's basically this story that we just talked about taking place now. Like the oh, main modern. girl. Oh, okay. Mo it's modern. Like the main okay. girl has a part-time job at, talk at Taco Bell. Love it. <laughs> okay. Yeah. And then she's, she doesn't know that there's other ex-girlfriends and then two other ones show up. It's like, hey, he's lied to you. He's going to do it again. We got to stop him. So if you literally like the story of this one and you want to read it now, check out that one. You had me at women banding together to murder a man. Sold. <laughs> Sold. All right. Don't even got to tell me what he did. I don't care. <laughs> I believe it. Good for them. That's all I got. Cool. Emma, I'll give you a bunch of recommendations later. Yes. For other vampires. For good vampire novels. Yeah. That don't turn into fairies or like weird witches. God, Vampire Diaries got weird. No promises. It got so weird. <laughs> well, this has been our look at all things vampires. Right. Apparently. We're still recording. We, we are. <laughs> Um, so we should probably wrap it up. Uh, Emma, thank you so much for joining us on this episode. Thanks for having uh, me. Yeah. Is there anything that you would like to plug while you're here? Uh, you can find me on all of the places at Emma Skies. Uh, my Instagram, my Twitter, all of that stuff is Emma Skies. Uh, you find me on Twitch under the same name. And I have a dedicated book Instagram, which is Biblio Skies, where I just talk about books and nothing but books and that I keep saying it's my secondary account because it is technically my secondary account. It's the it's only not. account I use. I'm on it 24 seven. And then I remember to post on my quote unquote main account, like once a week. Yeah. It's I think there's bad. a transition. I, I... Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I get I just confused have more fun on it. <laughs> I don't know what to tag you <laughs> on Instagram anymore. <laughs> Neither do I. Neither do I. Existential crisis. <laughs> Well, I highly recommend her Instagram account. It's really Thank good. You. Yeah. Uh, Laura, is there anything you'd like to plug? Um, I felt rude to not ask, though. So. Not really. I mean, unless anybody wants to follow my own Instagram or Twitter, it's um, aka underscore LB, E-L-L-E-B-E-E. -E -E. Um, I mostly just post stories on my Instagram, though, so... Um, I guess since all the cool kids are doing it, um, you can find me at J Ricochet on Instagram. I post shitty pictures of my vampire books that I'm reading. I set out to just read a spooky books this month and they've all been vampire books for some reason. Um, I must like vampires. I uh, think so. Yeah. And other than that, that's it. Thank you so much to the both of you for uh, talking to me about this book. Um, yeah. Now we need to figure out when we're doing our, after dark episode i got both which, of them they're right which, there which i feel like this is a good kind of transition into that have you guys talked about what the after dark book is going to be nope we okay. have not well, mentioned it at all until nope. tonight with you yeah oh okay 
the well, first episode when we joked about it, and then just now when I've confirmed we're doing was that it really how it, did it come about from that? Yes. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> that was another reason we asked you. <laughs> Hell yeah! Oh my god, I'm gonna corrupt all of us. Uh, yeah, and yeah, so look out for that whenever that happens. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Yeah, teaser. We'll have more information later. Yep. All right. That's it, I guess. Thanks again. Uh, Thanks for listening. And we'll see you next month. Bye. See ya. This episode of Shit We've Read has been an Oblivion Geeks production, hosted by Laura Benson and Jason Rico, with music by Joshua Chilton. To join the discussion on this and all other books we've read, find us at Shit We've Read on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. For episode transcripts and more information about us, please visit shitweavered.com. This podcast is part of the Bilo Network. Visit bilonetwork.com for more great geeky podcasts. Thanks so much for listening. (laughs) 